This podcast comes from our worship on Sunday the 26th of September. Good evening to everyone watching our online uh, service uh, tonight. And um, I'm sorry I wasn't able to make a service last Sunday. Um, just things have been very, very busy the past uh, few weeks. Um, these online services are really to help those that aren't able to get to church at, at the moment. Because I have the two services, uh, one in the morning and then one at lunchtime, um, I'm just hoping to be able to do these whenever I can. It might not be every Sunday, maybe most Sundays, but it'll just uh, depend on how things go um, throughout the week. Hopefully I'll be able to kind of keep them going for a wee while till we we're out the other end of this uh, pandemic, pandemic anyway. But I hope everyone's doing well uh, who's listening. For those that listen by telephone um, as well. Um, just to let you know a little bit about what's happening in the church at the moment at the face-to-face uh, -face services. Um, services are still at half past 10 at Mount Kirk and 12.15 at Greenwich East End Church in Belleville Street at the new building there. And um, services are every Sunday. Um, there's no social distancing requirement, although I encourage people to use common sense. Maybe when they come to church, there's plenty of space for folks to sit. Um, folks don't all have to sit in the one the one area. So there's plenty of room. Um, you will be asked to give some contact details for track and trace. Uh, you will have to wear a mask uh, coming to the church, and we are allowed to sing. Um, apart from that, it's church as usual uh, at the moment. I know a lot of other things maybe aren't happening during the week, but on Sundays it's church as usual, and uh, but lovely to see. Uh, folks coming back when 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 you can when you feel uh, able to. Um, I don't think I've got any other wee notices to mention. Um, just a couple of wee things. Uh, every November we have a Christmas shoebox Sunday. It's this year. It's going to be between the the fifteenth and the twenty second. Is going to be a collection week, and uh, we work with Samaritan's Purse for that every year. And uh, we're getting to that point in the year, near the beginning of October next week, uh, when we start to encourage folks to start putting their shoeboxes together. Um, so we have some leaflets at church. Uh, you can also print off the leaflets from the Samaritan's Purse UK website. You can get all the information there if you want to do this from home, uh, which would be great. And uh, then you just hand them in to the church uh, on the weekend of our shoebox uh, Sunday at the end of November. And then they'll get posted out uh, far and wide uh, to help children who perhaps don't get anything uh, at Christmas time or have maybe never had a gift before uh, ever. Um, so it's always great to be able to do that and uh, we'll look forward to being able to do that for this Christmas uh, as well. Um, so I think that's all can remember at the moment. Um, so wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening, uh, we're just going to start with a prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, as we gather as your people this evening, wherever people are watching or listening, Lord, we ask for your blessing upon us. We welcome your presence among us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to, to hear your word whether we're able to attend services in person or whether we're listening at home. 
to sing your praises and to be reminded of the great truths of the gospel. Lord, we thank you that you are our creator, the one who made us in your image, the one who sustains all life, the one who breathes life into us and holds up this world in your hands. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, your son, our saviour, our king, our Lord, the one who died on the cross for our sins and took the punishment that we rightly deserve upon himself and in exchange we receive mercy, forgiveness and the gift of our everlasting life. Lord, we thank you that Jesus rose again from the dead, that he is alive, that he is with us now. And as he rose from the dead, so shall we one day. And Lord, as we look to that promise, we, we also give thanks for the gift of your Holy Spirit who is here and with us now, who dwells in our hearts, who guides us and leads us, who opens the scriptures to us and takes the scales from our eyes so that we can see Jesus as he really is. And Lord, we just ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us wherever we are tonight. That your Spirit would open the Scriptures to us. That your Spirit would draw us closer to you, increase our love for you, Lord, and for one another in the body of your church. And Lord, tonight we pray for our two congregations of Mount Kirk and Greenock East End Parish Church as well. Lord, for all your people, ask your blessing. For those that haven't been able to get to church through ill health, for those that are still anxious about the virus among us, for those that still have to continue to work through all of this, for our young people and our children going to school and the pressures that they have been under as well. Lord, may your blessing be upon all your people of our two congregations and upon our wider friends and family that we know as well. And as we join together in prayer, we just pray that prayer that Jesus taught his first disciples as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. So I've just got one uh, wee hymn for us to sing tonight. Feel free to sing along at home uh, or where you're watching or listening uh, by telephone. This is What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Our sins and griefs to bear And 
reading from uh, the Bible tonight um, is from the book of Acts chapter 15 and I'm just picking up where I left off at our last uh, online service if you were if you were following. If you have a Bible at home feel free to read along with me. I'm reading in Acts chapter 15 and I'm reading from verse 22. Now this comes at the end of a fairly lengthy uh, passage in Acts 15 which I'm not going to, to read but what happens is that the apostles and the early leaders of the church um, all gather together in Jerusalem to discuss a certain problem that's going on in the church. And what they do is that once they've made their decision, they send a letter out to the churches so that everyone knows what they have decided. So we are going to pick it up uh, after the meeting and what they decide to do next. And it tells us then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, two men who were leaders among the brothers. And with them they sent the following letter, the apostles and elders your brothers to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria and Cilicia. Greetings. We've heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you troubling your minds by what they said. And so we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food, Sacrifice to idols, from blood, from the meat to strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. And you will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. The men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. 
The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. And after spending some time there, they were sent off by the brothers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, as we read and reflect upon your word in the scriptures, we just ask that you'd fill us with the Holy Spirit to open our ears, minds and hearts to receive your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. So, the topic we're looking at tonight is about it's about the Old Testament law uh, and how the this meeting that took place in Jerusalem was a disagreement about whether Gentile Christians, those who were not Jewish uh, by birth, had to follow the Old Testament Jewish laws, like all of all of the laws. And some people had been upset and disturbed by those who had gone out teaching that Gentile believers had to follow all of these rules and that they weren't true Christians, they weren't true followers of Jesus unless they did. And for men that meant they had to get circumcised, it meant everyone had to follow the dietary laws, you couldn't eat certain foods, um, you know, pork for example, um, shellfish, many others that are commanded in the scriptures for the Jewish people that are to avoid. Uh, the laws of the Sabbath, the rules around the sacrifice and the temple, uh, offerings, um, all sorts of things that they were expected to follow. But this had not come from the apostles. This had come from other people. And so they're trying to find a way around this to bring peace to the church, to um, bring reassurance to the early followers of Jesus. And so when they'd made their decision, they sent a letter out to the churches so that everyone knew what how things were to be and what had officially come from the apostles. This is called the, it's the first council of the Christian church, the Council of Jerusalem. And over the centuries, councils have met and big gatherings of Christians across denominations have met um, to decide some of the big issues uh, of the day. And that's what happened in this case. But it's a question about rules and for many people, Christianity is, at least in their mind, is reduced to just following rules. And the question for us as we look at this passage together, is, is that what it is? Or is Christianity something uh, quite different than just following a bunch of rules? Now, some of you, if you can remember back to your school days, for some that might be quite recent, for others it might have been a wee while ago. Uh, so if you can remember, think of the, the rules that you had to follow in school, because when we're young, these are at least out, out with our own home. Um, going to school is the first time that we encounter strict rules. Um, you know, for some it would be, don't run in the corridor, put your hand up before you speak, keep to the left. And up and downstairs in corridors, um, you've got to wear a school uniform. 
and if you didn't, you would get a letter home with your parents. All sorts of rules um, that when we're at school, when we're younger, that we had to obey. And for some people, that their idea is that that's what Christianity is. That's what following Jesus is. It's just a bunch of rules you're expected to do. Is that is that what it is? Is that the gospel of Jesus? Is that Christianity? Well, or is Christianity bring us real freedom? That's the question. I think that's the question at the heart of the passage that we read from Acts 15 today. Is, is the gospel about following rules or does it bring us into real freedom in Christ? And none of us like rules. But without rules, we, we couldn't live our lives. You know, when you think for a moment of the, the rules of the road, on our roads you have to drive on the left. There are traffic lights to tell you when to stop, when you can go. Uh, there are signs that tell us when we're coming up to a junction and which way we have to turn. And if it weren't for those rules, there would just be complete anarchy. If we didn't have laws by which people had to live by, to decide what is a crime and what is not a crime, it wouldn't be a very nice place to live. Because when human beings, when we're left without rules, we have a tendency to descend into a complete mess. And societies that don't have rules end up going in that direction. They become violent. Um, they become places where people don't treat one another well. Uh, where crime runs rampant and very unpleasant places to live. So rules are necessary for our flourishing in, in a nation, in a community. We need rules, we need laws. The question is, what, what part do commandments and rules play in our faith? Do they spoil our fun? Or do they actually lead us to to true freedom. Is Christianity freedom or is it just a bunch of rules? So when we look at Acts 15, the first thing that we see in the letter, the apostles write to the churches, we have heard that some went out from us, that is the apostles, without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. Now, what these people were teaching was a false teaching. It's not the real gospel. You know, for those who were the, the Gentile followers of Jesus, they were not required to follow the Jewish Old Testament laws, the ceremonial laws. So we see in the rest of the, the New Testament, we are required, we are we're called to obey the moral commandments from God. And the New Testament doesn't change any of those. They carry on into the New Testament. You know, such as do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal. We, we are still called to obey these laws. But we're not required to obey the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. And also it's not, the law is not what, what saves us. The law, as we'll see in uh, a wee minute shortly, it's not, 
obeying the commandments that actually saves us. But there is a place for the commandments. But we do have to be aware of false teaching. False teaching that leads us to focus on little things that are not biblical, that are not scriptural. To either control people or that we have placed upon ourselves and we get into a mindset that somehow we're not good Christians or we're not real followers of Jesus, such and such. You know, it used to be in the church if you were caught smoking a cigarette, that was considered a sin. Um, there's nothing in the scriptures about whether it's a sin to, to smoke or not to smoke. Um, nowadays we know it's not a good idea. It's not good for your health. It's not good for your lungs. It can cause cancer and all sorts of other things. But it's not a sin. Um, and there are plenty of other things like that in the past that have been about the way people dress, about um, going to the cinema, going to the theatre was considered a sin at one time. Um, so we have to be very, very careful about what we place on others and what we place upon ourselves. And we have to keep to the Bible. What does the Bible say? The Bible doesn't mention any of those things, smoking or going to theatre or cinemas or anything like that, or what kind of music you listen to. There's, there's no mention of those things. There are some, certainly some principles we can learn from the scriptures to guide our lives, and that's a wise thing eh, to do. But we need to be careful that we don't burden ourselves unnecessarily with things that really aren't that important. And this is what was happening in the churches at this time that the apostles were so concerned about. And it was really brought to their attention by the apostle Paul and by Silas and Barnabas as well, because they were the ones who were working among the Gentiles, eh, most of all. And then we read in Galatians 3, chapter 1 to 2, that Paul is addressing the very same problem in the church in Galatia, um, where he says to them, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? In other words, by their faith. You see, it's by faith that we are saved, not by simply obeying the law and commandments of the Old Testament. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone. And what Paul is reminding them here is that, you know, you saw, now I think when he says, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. These people lived far away from Jerusalem. I don't think he means that they were present when Jesus was crucified. They were eyewitnesses. I don't think that's what he means at all. But that the gospel was presented to them in a way that they understood what that meant. Jesus was crucified for them. And when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible tells us that he put to death our sins. He took our sins. And he did away with the old covenant. In other words, the, the old law of the Old 
Testament. He fulfilled it, the scripture says, which changes its position in our lives. So we are, there is a place for God's law, but it's not the thing that saves us. We are saved by our faith in Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross. And secondly, the gospel is not a burden. You know, so, so many people have this conception that following Jesus is burdensome. It's, in it, it, if it's become like that, then we really have to ask ourselves, have we understood it properly? The gospel is not supposed to be a burden. In verse 27, the apostles write, Therefore we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. And it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. See, the people felt burdened because they, they believed that they had to follow these other rules and laws that um, the apostles had never preached and told them to do these things. And they had taken that burden upon themselves. And sometimes there are burdens that we carry unnecessary, unnecessarily. And that hymn that we just sung together, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And in that hymn it talks about us sometimes carrying things that we, we don't need to carry. Things that we need to give over to God. And there are things that burden us sometimes because we, we have the wrong mindset, we have the wrong idea about the gospel. Um, we can carry guilt and shame about things that perhaps has happened in the past. But the, the gospel is good news because the gospel tells us that we are forgiven. That those things that we carry from the past are, are, are no more. They, they, they stay in the past. We don't have to carry them anymore. And those things that we thought were necessary to be a good Christian, a good disciple, a faithful follower of Jesus, that perhaps are not that important. It's not good that we are burdened by those things either. Galatians 5, Paul says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Interesting that Paul uses that word slavery. It's ironic because the Jewish people were in slavery in Egypt and were set free from that slavery. And now we have Gentile believers believing that they have to follow all the laws and rituals of the Old Testament in order to be faithful to Jesus. And by doing so, they are actually putting themselves into slavery again. But following Christ is freedom. Christ has set us free. Paul says, stand firm. Be immovable. Don't let yourself be burdened again by 
that yoke of slavery, by those things that perhaps in the past you thought were important, that actually aren't that important. And then lastly, the apostles say, you're to abstain from food sacrifice to idols, from blood, from the meat to strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. And you will, you will do well to avoid these things. In case anyone's panicking and thinking they're never going to be able to eat black pudding again, that is not what this passage is, is talking about. It's talking about food that was sacrificed to idols. It was food that was used in pagan worship in the pagan temples of the ancient Greek and Roman world. From blood of sacrificed animals, the meat of strangled animals that were offered as sacrifices to the pagan gods. That is what it is speaking of here. So it's primarily idolatry and sexual immorality. And when you look at the lists of instructions that both Paul and Peter and the other apostles give to the church in the New Testament, things that Christians should avoid, they are summed up in those two things. Avoid idolatry and avoid immorality. And both of those things are also summed up in the commandments that Jesus gave us to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. If we love God, we're not going to worship other gods and other things and put other things, whether they're actual pagan gods or whether it's material gods of our own making, we're not going to put those things in front of our Creator. And the reason that sexual immorality is mentioned here, which is, encompasses a whole host of things. The apostles don't get into the details here, although Paul and others do in the rest of the, the New Testament. But to love our neighbour, to love God, to love our neighbour, is to abstain from immorality as well. Because it, it actually does damage to us and it damages others around us. It damages families, it damages marriages, it damages communities. And so that's what it means to love God and to love our neighbour as we love ourselves. And the apostles say you will do well to avoid these things. So the gospel is not a burden. These rules are given for our human flourishing. That we have a true relationship with God in Jesus Christ and worship our Creator. And that we live our lives in a way that God has designed for us as human beings. A life that can be fulfilled whether we are single, whether we are married, uh, whatever God calls us to, that there's a way that we can live that is pure and by which God has called us to do. And God gives us these laws because he wants the best for us. God is not in the business of wanting to spoil our fun. God's greatest desire for us is happiness. God's greatest desire for us is joy and peace. And the commandments that God has given us are for our joy and for our peace, and for our flourishing. That's what they're, they're there for. It's not a burden, it's freedom. 
and we find true freedom in the gospel, in having faith in Jesus, and then out of our response obeying God's commandments. You know, so sometimes we get it the wrong way around. The gospel is not about first obeying the commandments, trying to be a good person and hoping that God will accept us. That is not the Christian gospel. The Christian gospel is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, that he, the only pure and holy son of God, the only person who has never sinned, offered himself for us as a sacrifice on the cross for sins so that we might be forgiven and receive the mercy of God. And in response to that, we obey God's commandments because we want to, because we love him, not out of duty, but out of, out of love. That's, that's the gospel. It was William Barclay was minister in Renfrew and also professor of New Testament up in Glasgow University many years ago once said, Christian freedom does not mean being free to do as we like. It means being free to do as we ought. Now the gospel is not a license to sin. If we think it is, we haven't under understood it properly. The gospel is liberty to follow God and to obey his commandments and to do his will. That's what we, what we were created for. And that is, that's true freedom. The gospel really does set us free. And in verse 31, after this letter is read to the, the churches, it was sent out to, we're told there that the people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. I always found that verse fascinating here, that the people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. That tells me that these people really were living under a burden. That they really felt burdened by this false teaching that they had heard and disturbed them. And they thought that by following these rules and rituals that they would please God. That's what God wanted, and that's not what God wanted. And so this message has been a real relief for them. The gospel has set them free. Because the gospel is not about rules. It's about what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that's what sets us free. I always love hearing testimonies from the lads at the, the Haven, which is a centre, uh, for, for those that are maybe listening in who aren't from Inverclyde, the Haven is a centre, it partners with a ministry called Teen Challenge, which is based in New York City, and they have a centre, a residential centre, which helps young men who have issues with addiction, either to drugs or alcohol. They have a, a fantastic programme, and there are many those young men I've heard who have experienced real freedom, freedom from addiction, freedom from drug addiction, freedom from alcoholism. And that freedom has enabled them to rebuild their lives again. It's enabled them to find work and to renew relationships with family, with friends, with spouses, with children. 
etc. Many of them also find spiritual freedom. And to hear their testimonies of what Christ has done in their lives is, is wonderful. It's amazing. But God does that for all of us. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the gospel sets you free. The gospel sets you free. And that's why it is good news. The word gospel is just, it's an old English word that literally means good news. And the gospel is good news. It's a gospel that lifts the burden that is upon us, that we can sometimes place upon ourselves. And yes, the gospel, when properly preached, convicts us of our sin. First and foremost, that we are convicted of sin. We recognise our need for Jesus. But when we recognise our need for Jesus, it is freedom. Freedom from the power of sin. Freedom to live for God. Freedom to obey God. And as our love for him grows day by day, we, we will want to do that. God's ultimate goal for all his people is to become like his son, Jesus. If we want to become like Jesus, we need to obey Jesus' teaching. It's as simple as that. I'm going to leave you with this last verse from Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, where he says, Come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Many people are heavy laden with religious baggage that they have carried for many, many years. And that is so unfortunate because that's not what the gospel is about. It's not what following Jesus is about. So if you feel tonight you're listening to this and you've been laid, heavy laden, you've been burdened with religious rules, rituals, things that you thought were perhaps important. And it turns out when we look at the scriptures, maybe some of those things weren't important at all. Jesus says, I can give you rest from those things. Because the gospel is real freedom. The gospel of God's grace is such a, a freeing thing that when we understand it, when we realise what Christ has done for us, when we understand the immensity of God's love, it is such a freeing thing. It's a liberating thing. And it sets us free to love God. It sets us free to obey him in, in, in the most amazing ways. We pray together. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for your word and this amazing letter that has been preserved in the book of Acts that we can read today, the letter from the Council of Jerusalem to the early Christians that were so disturbed by false teaching that they had heard, that had placed burdens upon them that were completely unnecessary. 
Lord, I pray that you would protect our hearts and minds from false teaching that is here today and has always been with us throughout the whole history of your church. In our time, it's the prosperity gospel, that idea that come to Jesus and you'll be rich. Or material possessions are a sign of blessing. That is not the gospel of Jesus. Lord, help us to recognise those things and to steer well clear of them. And to steer away from the other error that we don't need, we don't really need to listen to the Bible these days. It's an old book. It's out of date. Lord, help us to be wise and discerning and not to be swayed by these kinds of false teachings. And that we would find the true freedom and lift, that you would lift those burdens from us as we come to realise what Jesus has done for us on the cross. That in Christ our burdens are lifted. This old hymn says that our burdens were lifted at Calvary. Lord, I pray for anyone listening tonight who's been carrying religious burdens, things that we don't find in the scriptures that are not really a part of the gospel. Lord, you would set them free from those things. And may they walk in the real freedom that you offer to us, the freedom in Christ, in receiving God's grace and the total forgiveness that you give to us and the full measure of your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we've come to the end of our We Online service uh, tonight and I uh, hope everyone stays well. Hopefully I'll be able to do this um, soon, uh, hopefully next Sunday, but as I say, it's been extremely busy a uh, few weeks and um, uh, it will just be whenever I can. And um, these services also go on our telephone line so if you know anyone who listens by telephone that they will be able to catch up uh, there is a message from a couple of weeks ago on there this one will go up uh, this week as well and they'll be able to hear this one too okay take care everyone i'm just going to ask god's blessing on us uh, before you go now may the blessing of god almighty the father the son and the holy spirit be with us all now and always amen take care bye bye now